Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, I love asking people questions. And I thought, what better way to do this than to get the people I admire into a studio to share their stories. This podcast is our corner of the world where all of us can dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. Today's guest is one of Australia's most sought-after high-performance coaches. He is the well-kept secret of elite athletes, including the currently ranked world number one Sally Fitzgibbons, seven-time world champion Steph Gilmore, three-time world champion Mick Fanning and two-time world champion Chumpy Pullen. He works with sporting teams such as the Sydney Roosters, Richmond Tigers and recently worked with the New South Wales State of Origin team who brought home the series win. He also works with many top one percenters in the business world. Nam Baldwin has a gift, one that you will hear throughout this podcast, of simplifying the complicated science behind brain and body performance and delivering it, if you do the work, in life-changing, digestible bites. Nam also has a presence about him. It's a unique combination of deep knowledge, absolute focus on getting to the bottom of what's going on, as well as a childlike wonder and playfulness that is absolutely contagious. He's someone who makes you want to be better simply by being around him. And that presence won't be lost on this medium of a podcast. He's a free diver and we unpack the role of breathwork and why it underpins, well, pretty much everything that we do. You've no doubt heard about the power of morning routines and Nam is a massive believer in that when you win the morning, you win the day and gives us some key things that you can do even in just six minutes every single morning that will change your day. Openly and rawly, Nam also shares the moments where he has felt untethered at times amongst the curveball that life can throw at you and how he has found his way back to his own purpose and life philosophy again. Littered with insights and wisdom that you'll want to rewind and hear again, make sure you enjoy this conversation with Nam Baldwin. Nam, welcome to the studio. Thank you, Ali. It's such a delight to be sitting down with you. Yeah. There is a whole, at the moment, there are many different roles that you play and you work across a whole range of different industries. One of the things that you have done a lot of in your past is free diving. Mm. And I want to start there by asking you, what is it about diving down deep and it's definitely free diving that, that drew you to, to that, I guess, sport, for want of a better word? Well, I, I, you know, I was a scuba diver, scuba diver for many years and um, if, you've, if anyone's ever done that, the tanks are heavy and cumbersome and... You know, you you obviously take air down underwater with you and you're breathing underwater, but when you learn to breathe well and calm your mind and nervous system and allow yourself to use oxygen very well through really good breath techniques, etc., you can hold your breath for a long time. So one of my little things is I managed to do that very well over seven minutes, a breath hold. Um, and that gave me freedom in a, an environment that is, you know, um, uncompromising. The ocean, you know, when you're under, deep underwater, you, you, you've you got to have your wits about you, especially when you're under deep. But that also on the edge of that, that feeling of, of complete comfort and chaos is that sort of that fine line that you walk when you go deep is that you have to trust in you. 
And I think, you know, for people of today, there's a lack of self-trust for the younger generation. There's so many alternatives and things that they can do and think about that when I was growing up, it was all about doing things outside, enjoying the environment and enjoying your capabilities and testing yourself, which I did with freediving, but it gave me this amazing liberated experience of being free didn't have to breathe for a long time, was weightless. In an environment there was, yes, there's there's pressure, but it's it's a different pressure. It's not gravity as such. It's it's water pressure, but it's like you go flying when you free dive. When you descend, you sink after four meters, six meters, you sink. So after six meters, I would literally be like a Superman and just fly <laughs> to the depth. So it's almost like a gravity kind of pulling you down. Yeah, well, the pre- water pressure is pushing you down and then... In that experience, you get this tremendous, for me anyway, a tremendous feeling of calmness. And because I was so young and doing that, that became part of who I am. Calm Nam, right? This, this guy that's calm. But it was the freediving that exposed me to so many elements of what it's like to be very free in your own space. And the environment was so in, invigorating, the, the wildlife, you know, we spoke earlier about me freediving with whale sharks down to the depths and, and one in particular played with me for about an hour. It was like a puppy and it's a 20-foot whale shark, you know, just incredible experience that keeps you incredibly present with what's going on. Oh, it has to. Yeah, <laughs> I can yeah, imagine, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. And you almost, you describe this kind of, this edge of calm and chaos that mm. you're you're balancing. It's like a tightrope walk, right? Yeah. It's like a when you feel it, that you're doing it and you're engaged in it 100% and you feel very safe in that space. The other side is that things can go terribly wrong, but if you can keep your mind and your capabilities on par with what it is you're trying to do. The the experience of living on that edge, if you like, is where, if there is a corny way of saying it, it's where the magic happens. You, you feel, almost feel invincible, and then very quickly you don't because you've got to come up for a breath of air. <laughs> so you're down there experiencing this incredible wildlife, this feeling of freedom, being underwater for over five minutes with not having to breathe. So there's no, there's no uh, restraints. It's like you're free. And then suddenly you've got to breathe. Your brain's going, hang on, quick, go back up. So then you've got to then learn to regulate your response to that signal. Like in life, there's stress. It's inevitable, but how we respond is critical. It's a signal, lots of signals. So when you're free diving, the signal kicks in and then it's about, okay, now, now be calm and get to the top safely recover effectively and then let's do it again. <laughs> now I want to I want to get back it's so fascinating I want to get back to the whale shark in a moment but have you ever had a moment where that like you've learnt calm because you were in the midst of chaos because you panicked or because or is that something that just kind of you Yeah no I, I yeah no I was um you know I grew up in uh South Africa during apartheid and um, I'm not South African but um I spent a bit of time there. My dad was a diplomat and he, you know, worked closely with um, the ANC, Nelson Mandela's group. And when I was young, when I say young, you know, I was there when I was five till just turning 10. So five years of going home after school 
and sitting with black South Africans with my parents and talking about values, right? Values of life and 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 how important they are and um, and then the behaviours that come with that that can create freedom or can create constriction and all these things that you and I know a lot about. But as, an, as a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old, amazing thing. And then in that experience... Can you remember what that was like as a five-year-old? It was tricky. It was, yeah, it was like, what are you talking about? What's yeah. a value? Yeah. You know, and, and then my <laughs> When most would, of us are yeah. watching Sesame Street and Pepper yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so my mum would say, well, the value is is what we do every weekend. You know when we go camping every weekend and we go to game parks? That's called adventure. And how do you feel, Nam, when you go and do that? And I go, oh, I feel free, I feel excited, I feel liberated, I feel... And I didn't say that, but, you know, as a five-year-old, I feel good. So he goes, okay, that's a value. And if you really enjoy it, it's it's going to become part of who you are and therefore don't stop having adventures. So anyway, taught that, but then in that as well, there was so much chaos in my life that was really strictly um, governed by order. So what I'm saying, what I'm saying there is that at school they could still beat you. So cricket practice, you drop a ball three times, you get three of the best with a cricket bat across your ass. So I had this amazing family structure around values and 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 big stuff. I mean, we're talking change of South Africa here, you know, amazing mm. upbringing. And then school time, <laughs> you drop a cricket ball. Okay, so then going back to where this calmness come from, well, then coming home and being upset and going, I don't want to be here. This is this is hell, you know. My ass is I can't sit <laughs> yeah. down. So then having a gardener and and a friend who basically martial artists and that's a big part of my life too is martial arts with Gardner going you know why are you upset what's going on and I'm like well, I've got my ass kicked <laughs> I don't want to go back and I'm here for five or six years he goes let me show you how to breathe and I'll teach you how to be calm so and he was a fifth dan black belt so that exposed me to I want to learn all this stuff too so then showed me very simple methods of breath control I'll, I'll share that later with you and and then my parents were so amazing at dealing with uh, challenges and keeping things in perspective. They were not drama queens or kings, you know, not about drama. It's about reality and that another part of growing up was having a vision, having your values, having a vision, and then having an identity. Who are you? And they taught us so much around that and in such a calm, loving way that that was what I was exposed to with all these mentors and, and you know, gurus in, in breathing and, and in building a better country and you know, amazing experiences that then gave me such a broad perspective that allowed me to see things for what they really are and how amazing life can be if you have these things in place, such as good breathing, <laughs> good values, good perspective, you can then kind of choose mental skills that you can become very good at. And one of the mental skills I'm really encouraging people to get good at is be calm, learn to be calm. It's a skill. So it came from those things. Breathing was the catalyst how did that help going back to dropping the cricket yeah, ball? Yeah, no, you did don't, you go you back in? Yeah, or? absolutely. Yeah, so so it was a it was a whole, and the martial arts side was massive too. And it was, um, you know, you just you just learn. You, you had to, 
you had a choice, right? That's the thing. Even at that age, I, I couldn't not go to school. I had to go to school. So I thought, okay, well, I, I'm going to control myself. I'm amazing at, at that age to go in and, and sure, it was tough. You know, I cried and I was upset and did the normal things kids do. But my parents were so good at going, no, no, come on, just it's going to be okay. And this is how it is at the moment. And let's just use your practices, et cetera. Let's, let's have the adventures. Let's breathe. Let's do the things that we will allow you to feel that you have a sense of control and be you. Let's, this is all part of the experience of life, unfortunately. And let's, let's, let's choose the best of it. Let's not focus on the worst of it. Let's choose the, what can happen here. Imagine how good you're going to be at cricket. <laughs> yeah, you right? have an ulterior motive to not yeah. drop so, anything. So my ever. dad was like, "Imagine how good you're going to be because yeah. you're going to be so disciplined." And and sure enough, that was, you know, I, I work with world champions and Olympic teams and all that. It's from then, you know, yeah. it's the conditioning. Yeah. So fascinating. Which is, do you have a sense of which of those kind of parenting styles? influenced you the most or which of those characteristics? I mean, there's a few you've described yeah. that have carried on for you. So I guess, you know, both because they were so loving and caring yet <clears throat> they were still firm um, in the sense that, uh, you know, if we stepped out of line, we would we would be punished in some shape or form um, and that, you know, they, they, they weren't just this loving, caring, oh, you know, poor you, it'd be all right. It was like, I'm sorry you're feeling this way, but this is how it is. So they were, so they were very realistic, but very optimistic. So what a great recipe. Um, and then their way of living, which was about experiencing life as best you can. You're here for a period of time, have a good time and learn from the things that go wrong and enjoy the things that go right. And the way that they brought us up was experiences. Have a ton. Get out. Let's go to caves in the mountains where Bushmen lived and camp in those caves often. Let's go and look at wild animals and learn about them in Kruger National Park. You know, amazing. that they. And sometimes we'd come home from school on a Friday and my dad would go, pack your bag. Where we going? We're going to the Drakensberg Mountains. It's a six-hour drive. We're going to drive and we'll camp overnight in the combi because we had a combi. And then tomorrow morning we'll be waking up and we're going to go and camp in the cave tomorrow night. And then we'll come back Sunday night. <laughs> yes, let's go. Yeah. Unbelievable. So this, this never-ending playground almost Pretty much. that kind of kept going. And then a school that was so disciplined Yeah. because of white South Africa apartheid concept of, you know, almost like dictatorship, you know. So those two threads, like coming back to the freediving, those two threads really then become part and parcel when you're under five minutes in, you're deep underwater, being able to have calm but mm. a discipline of I have to do something about this. Yes. I have to respond yeah. rather than yeah. so then freak out or exactly. get into doubt. Yeah, and having that intent to regulate your attention. So good intention regulates your attention. So if, if my, I get the signal, time to breathe, or I have a stress of something stressing me, if I have a sense of calmness within me, I can help my intention regulate my attention and therefore it's time to breathe. And that can be in any part of life, right? 
that's the amazing thing is that now you're starting to, oh, hang on, <laughs> that's that can be applied in every situation. So I learned these skills in a very uh, adventurous and playful way that allowed my brain and body to absorb that type of information and how, to, how it can be used in any situation. That's the beauty of it. Did you ever, with the free diving, did you ever push it to the limit? Did you ever realise that, oh, I left that a little bit too long? Yeah, I never blacked out. So, but I did at the time. I remember uh, when I was younger, this is sort of 16-year-old, I remember free diving and wondering why I got real dizzy when I came up to the top and felt like I lost my balance and, and very soon after is being taught properly. Well, you were about to black out. <laughs> so I, I got close to it, but I, I got close to it because I was young and adventurous and I wanted to push boundaries. I wanted to see what I could do. Uh, I was always with someone, so I never did it by myself. And I, to listeners, you never do it by yourself. Um, where I really, you know, pushed on that envelope. But luckily, I obviously had the insight and the foresight to go, hey, when you get the signal, it's time, come up. And what's the signal? Like, so, what are you so, feeling? What's yeah, your it's body? The, so it's the urge to breathe. So when you when you go free diving, it's not lack of oxygen that makes you want to come up. It's an excess amount of carbon dioxide that your body's producing, and your blood will there's receptors, chemoreceptors in your body that will pick up a high level of CO two, which then drives the body to then want to expel that gas to then breathe in oxygen straight afterwards. So the urge is a feeling of gulping in your abdominal area that then is the signal to say CO2 is high, oxygen is probably dropping underneath that, better go back up, remove that CO2, get some fresh oxygen in my body and recover. So that's the urge. Now, if you go to... It too, doesn't say it as gently and as calmly no, as no, that in your no, body. No, <laughs> no, it's, I need it's, to breathe. Yeah, yeah, it's like a... Uh, and it's a fight-flight response, right? If you hold on there, you I mean, you've done stuff with me. You're like, yes. whoa, this is yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, two minutes in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seven, yeah. So you... Yeah. Uh, and there's, I mean, there's a ton of science I could explain about that. But the, the basis, basic premise is that when you have the urge, it is a feeling of... I would rather have a breath now. And it comes through a muscular contraction mm. and relaxation in your abdominal and ribcage area. So it's being so in tune with your body and knowing what that sensory yes. is, at what point that is, and I have time to respond as opposed to I'm just about to yeah. black out, which is yeah. different. It's, it's different, yeah, totally. It's not something most people listening would, would do no. and, and experience. And so I'm really fascinated, particularly where you, you talked about playing with the whale shark. Can you describe what yeah. that experience is? Because like I said, many of us would never have even seen a whale shark, let alone be in the water yeah, um, and spend time playing and interacting. So yeah. what so, was that like for you? So whale sharks are, you know, one of the biggest fish in the sea and they are called a whale shark, a whale component because they eat plankton, but they're the shape of a shark. Um, the one I was playing with was about six metres long, so it's a very big fish. And the experience is is hard to describe other than you feel like you're in a movie um, that's been set up. So when I found this, but when the, whether I found it, it found me, it doesn't matter. When, when I free dive down to be with this particular whale shark, it had an agenda too. It was playful. And I remember going down underneath it, holding onto its pectoral fins, and its belly is the most beautiful white and the softest 
feeling that you could probably imagine a, a fish to have super soft, super white, and going and holding onto its peck fins and then getting taken on a ride. Literally, it's like a roller coaster, right? So it knew I was there and off I go and, and we go into the depths. And as we're going into the depth, I'm looking from side to side going, okay, I've got no urge to breathe. I'm totally free of any constraint, even my breath. Unbelievable. And then I'm looking from side to side and going, wow, there's a there's a reef shark. Oh, there's a couple. Oh, there's a lemon shark. Oh, there's a turtle. So I'm amongst this aquarium whilst having a ride with this the biggest fish in the, in the ocean that wants me to be there and I'm tickling its chin. And it starts to roll back and forth as if to say, oh, can you do it more? So I'm, I'm with this six-metre th- creature not having to breathe and then i got to breathe. So I get the urge I'm like, oh, the movie's ended. <laughs> so I come up for a breath, but then it comes up with me. And I take a few good breaths. I go down. It goes down with me. And I'm back on again. I'm like, whoa, it wants to play. So you can only imagine that this thing that is totally wild, never, you've never seen before, and just wants to hang out and play in a water that's crystal clear. This is in the Middle East. There's so much sea life that you are this is the beautiful thing, you become so present, so in the now, that nothing matters. It's unbelievable. It's like this liberated experience. I can imagine. I'm almost going, like, what's going through your mind? Are you just completely there? Is yeah. there a part of you going, yeah, is this going to end? What What do I need to do? Yeah, so then it was but limited by breath hold. Yeah. And then that's probably why I got so good, is like, I'm not going to come up. Nope, no, no. <laughs> it might go away. Anyway, it didn't for an hour, right? And then finally I'm done. I'm cooked. I'm like, I can't keep coming going yeah. down. And it slowly took off. It realized, okay, you know, Playtime's human's over. done. <laughs> you know. An hour must have felt like for oh. an eternity, though. That's a huge I, amount. I mean, of time. I got goosebumps talking about it, right? And you can probably hear my voice as well. Because I was just but it, at the same time, you're going through, and I think back on it, that was the breeding ground for the inner me so wanting to be so present with what I was engaged in, you know, wanting to be calm but intense at the same time. What a gift. I have this calmness but I can be intense at the same time. And then being able to focus and refocus on what matters, go back down with it. So, so many mental skills were bred from those experiences of being on the edge and just being really curious of what can happen here and being okay with it can going a little bit wrong. But knowing that you're in the in nature's hands and you're as natural as they are, just be you. You're partly mammal too. We are, right? Tap into that side of your human beingness and go and do what you want to do so you have what you want to have, Right? The bee do have concept. I was being a mammal. I was doing the right skills and having a hell of a good time. What a concept. Oh, there's so many bits of that that just I almost <laughs> want to jump on from the curiosity yeah. to, as you say, kind of inform um, that calmness and intensity. It's beautiful. We don't often see or think about that going together. No. So it's you're either intense and bullet a gate, you know, uh, in the business world it's about hustle, in the sporting world it's about being the best and, and mm. it's constantly being on that so you're never kind of off that ever. Um, and yet 
that duality to, yeah. can they live together yeah, is it you possible yeah. you're almost describing they have to well if you want the best i think you know if you go too intense in sport finer motor skill will get lost the ability to use your finer motor skills is, is is diminishing as you get more and more intense if you have a sense of okay, calmness. So, so the more that you are. Yeah, the, the American movie thing, you know, rah, rah, let's go, and all the hype and all that is not the answer to high performance. High performance comes from the Zen monk and the MMA fighter, the Zen monk embodying an MMA fighter. You got the intensity of an MMA fighter, but you got the calmness of a monk on the inside. Mm. And now you can really utilize your skills and decision-making under pressure. And that's where a lot of good stuff happens is when there's, it's, it's oh, is it, do I make this decision or that one? It's pressure. Now, if you have a calmness within you, your brain will work so much better. And therefore, you can make good decisions under pressure with intensity or a strong intent and therefore regulate your attention and get the right thing done. It's a skill though, right? It's not, a, not something no, you're born with. Yeah. So you've got to practice key elements of, of physical and mental skills and bring them together because the mind and the body are not separate. You know, the mind will work off the body and vice versa. Understand who you are and what allows you to be calm and intense at the same time because that's, that's a, a skill. Do you think most people walk around with them being separate, that oh, mind and body? All the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Because, you know, I work with, like you do, you work in the corporate world where you, you see leaders that are incredibly good at what they do but then just about to burn out, um, you know, overweight and they don't need to be but they just lose their attention again. Their intent is too, too focused. They've got too much intensity in one area where they need more harmony over a couple of others and now you'll merge longevity. You'll, well, you'll create longevity in, in a business or a, or a leader's career if you can get those things to come together. So you work with the, the elite. You work with some of the one percenters in both the corporate kind of world, but you've done coaching with Mick Fanning, um, who's now retired, uh, Steph Gilmore, Sally Fitzgibbons. You're currently doing work with the Richmond Tigers, mm-hmm. New South Wales Blues, and hopefully they are, you know, Get it again this yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I live in Queensland and I'm a New South Wales supporter, which Likewise, is always hard, yeah. right? <laughs> it's always hard. Yeah. Um, and and the roosters. So what is it that is different from the elite and what do you bring to them uh, through your work? And I get that that's a whole range of different things, yeah. but but what is different about them? The what are they what are they chasing? How do they do what they do? And what are they missing that, that you bring into the picture that changes the game for How long them. we got? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be brief. So I think the, the thing distinguishing, and I'm, I'm thinking that compared to everyday folk, et cetera, those elite, the difference is they have a very, very clear vision and their vision is obviously, let's say, the Roosters or Blues or Richmond. They, they want to win the premiership. So it's, But it's easy in that sense that, of course. But within that, they then work out who they are and their philosophy or their trademarks around how they behave each week and get very, very good at those trademarks and their strategies. So it's a business. It really is. And the difference is is, is that there's this definite vision and then there's a definite story that's driving the behaviours, the trademarks, 
etc. to each week to get closer and closer to that achieving that vision. And the difference between the top teams and the lower teams is that um, that story is shared really well amongst the whole group. It's and it's very clear, and they stick to the clarity of what it is to behave this way, to act this way, um, to perform like this today. So they they very they try and be very present throughout their week, meaning today's session is the session, and the, and they put everything they've got into it. Then they do the little extras, which is where I come in to give them that little edge. So I come in and teach them more about regulating their nervous system and their mind through breath work and then through mindfulness work and mental imagery work. But then they will do a, a particular thing every morning that allows them to have this very strong intent, stronger than their other competitors, that drives their attention, that drives their attention to this is what I need to do today to get the job done today, that by the end of the week I can look back and this is the amazing thing, I can say to myself, I've done the work, now go play. And that is a process. Now, there's a lot more to it than that, but it kind of gives you an idea. Yeah, 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 that ability to be able to trust myself that I've done the work. And that can be like even in everyday life, for want of a better word, we can lose that sense of trust because yeah. other things come into play or we get pulled off the radar a little bit yeah. by um, a conversation that's not the best form of us or a meal that we've kind of had because we like comfort food or whatever it is. Yeah. We get pulled off sometimes that yeah. radar. So I can understand that, that sense yeah. of being able to go, no, I know that I've done the work. Yeah, and, and I guess the takeaway at this point is that you know, having a vision is very important um, and then having clarity around who you are and there's a work to be done there and then um, having setting intentions in the morning, you know, who do you need to be today and what have you got to do? And not too much of how many do's but more who do you need to be? And then that in itself, if we can get that clear, the having takes place. Because I know you talk a lot about morning routine and the power yeah. of what you do in the morning sets up your entire day. Um, some people listening might have heard, you know, it's not new, that concept no. of, you know, have a morning routine and set up, set up the rest of your day. What is it that you think people need? And I love that sense of being intentional mm. um, and having an intent. Uh, what What... What do you prescribe? What are we missing? What do you think needs to be part of that that yeah. morning routine? Well, I think first of all, let's start with what you shouldn't do. <laughs> uh, grabbing your phone when you first wake up, because now you are putting your mind and your your whole kind of uh, way of being into something else or someone else's world and not you, and that's that's detraining focus. Because now your attention's being scattered into, you know, if, if it was social media, there might be 10 different things that you're looking at in 10 seconds. You're detraining focus. So that was one thing I wouldn't do. <laughs> yep. One thing I would do was would be to go, okay, well, what would I what do I do anyway, but what could I do better? Because changing people is very tricky. It's more improving what they do would be easier. 
So people breathe when they wake up. Otherwise, they haven't woken up. So therefore, <laughs> why don't you focus on some really calm, controlled, rhythmic breaths for maybe a minute and get your breathing to be something that you just focus on um, straight off the bat. Because why? 40% of healthy adults snore. And that may mean that their oxygenation is dropping by 9% overnight. And that's potentially why heart attacks are happening in the morning and not during the day. Most of them. 40%? Yes, of healthy adults snore. And then if they are snoring and they're mouth breathing, they're probably up to 45% more dehydrated than they went to bed. So you've got a lot of stress going on when you wake up, right? <laughs> Regular breathing, dehydrated. Breathe good. Reset the nervous system into a state of calm. And then maybe once you've been to the toilet, whatever, have a drink of water before anything else because you're dehydrated and your brain wants water other than oxygen more than anything else. So you're winning. Mm-hmm. And I have a thing, win the morning, right? So hang on, I do that anyway. Yeah, just do it better. You breathe when you wake up, but it's probably not great. Mm-hmm. You probably drink, but it could be a coffee. Why don't have a water first and get yourself hydrated? And then maybe move a bit. When your blood flows in your body, your brain flows. They're connected. So then you invigorate. So you oxygenate, you hydrate, you invigorate. What a concept. And that's now bringing you to life. And you're starting again from yesterday. And then maybe appreciate something. Because most people look at the phone and go, damn it, they're better than me, or I'm not good enough. So therefore I have to work and here's my to-do list and here's my stuff I have to get done. Appreciate what you have rather than what you had. And then finally... That's so powerful. Yeah. (laughs) Finally is just to anticipate. Who do you need to be today? What is your intention so that you can regulate your attention? Because if you have been the person that's looking at your phone, I'm telling you, your focus probably isn't as good as it could be and you will get distracted and governed by all sorts of stuff as soon as you get out of bed. Uh -uh, Hang on. Be you. Be in control of your thoughts. Be in control of who you need to be and what you need to do so that you can follow through and bring the best of you into the day. Now, what does it mean to those around you when you're at your best. That's... Changes their day. Boom! Yeah, right? it changes everything. Yeah, so th- this this could take you five, six minutes. So I want to go through this. Oxygenate. This Oxygenate, so breathe, be really intentional. And I'll t- explain that in a second how to do yeah. that. Hydrate. Mm-hmm. Four to 600 mil, no less, no more. Otherwise you'll overhydrate. And no less because you need that You need fluid. it, yeah. You need that, yeah. Um, invigorate. Now, move. But it could just be, uh, it could just be um, jumping on a rebounder like a little trampoline or uh, doing a little bit of some squats or something, just something or some band work. Nothing doesn't have to be exercise. It's movement as a difference. Mm-hmm. And then um, appreciate so you could do something intensive if you want and then lie, lie down and breathe and just focus on a feeling of appreciation. Now, here's a good thing with that. People go, yeah, but I don't feel it. Well, see if you can engage in a memory or something that you can actually feel, well, I'm grateful for that. And maybe add this. Maybe when that happens, nod. And now you're locking in a physical thing to a mental thing. So as I'm nodding, I'm now in building an emotional capacity to feel more gratefulness or gratitude or appreciation. The nod 
you're nodding. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you were to do that every morning and do it, every time you nod, you're going to bring out this this gratefulness right. or appreciation. Okay, so the physiology will yeah. actually be the expression like an of that. Yeah. yeah. And then anticipate. So I've got a day ahead of me and I know the things I've got to do. Who do I need to be? So that will take a little bit of work. Maybe the night before you could jot some things down. (laughs) This is who I need to be tomorrow. Right, yes, okay. And set my intention around that. You've already done it. It's already in the front of your front loaded it the night before. You wake up and go, yep, remember, boom, let's do it. Yeah, right. So the night before you're prepping, what's tomorrow on my plate, putting that down, almost getting that to Just bullet points. Make it as easy as you can to win that side too. Mm -hmm. Don't scribble for hours, just cool. Now, that can be difficult to do that. But if you do, you're doing this. When you do difficult things, you build self-trust. And when you build self-trust, you'll have confidence that will sit on top of that. And a confident leader, a confident person is a good person to be around. So therefore, every morning, you're building more self-trust. And if there was something that's happening in the world is that people don't know what to do or who to be, and there's a lack of self-trust, lack of confidence, and you can see where that can go because now you're not being your best and therefore who are you being? Well, I don't know. I don't know who I am. I'm not good enough. Oh, hang on. Can be influenced really quickly yes. by people, <laughs> influences around you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, rather than that solid kind of anchor. Is that your morning? That's my morning, pretty much. Yeah. Every morning? Every morning I do a, a, a meditational practice as part of my breath work yeah. that involves some imagery and mindfulness and then it's that process. And it works a treat, you know. It's um, It brings an energy out of me nine time, eight times out of ten. Eight, nine times, let's be real. Eight, nine times out of ten, you're going to get the best of me. There's times, obviously, I didn't sleep good, got hammered two days before and I'm going to be a little bit below my best, but it's unlikely. So you can trust yourself enough to know I know what it takes yes. to bring the best of me to whatever it is that's right. I'm doing. And yeah. that's something that we don't always feel like we have control over, that those, yeah, but you I, I know for me even personally, like that can feel like, well, that my best and my ability to bring that is dependent on what's happening in the business. It's depending on whether the kids mm. are upset. It's depend, Like it feels yeah. like this external thing. Uh, yeah. Factors are the reason about whether I'm I'm okay or I'm not. Yeah, as totally. opposed to what you're describing is you've completely got that. Yeah, there's things control. you can control and things you can't. So as we know, you can't control how the kids feel, mm. but you can can control how you respond to it. But a lot of that work will be really beneficial to to go into a calm state before you go into that experience. Yeah. So the brain has a greater capacity to learn to respond effectively to it and own how you feel, not let other things own you, which is a skill, right? Oh, Again. it's so hard. I'm saying it yeah, sounds yeah. really easy, but yeah, it's, it's so skill. hard because, yeah. Hence kind of like an 80-20 relationship. 80% of the time you'll nail this, 20% you won't, but that's just life. Mm-hmm. So here I am, everyone's going, yeah, it's easy to say. I know, but the alternative is that you may not be doing those types of things. It doesn't have to be that, but... Where is your life going then? Is it slowly getting a little bit harder or are you slowly making it a little bit more enjoyable and having a growth mindset, not a fixed one? And that can open up doors in so many different ways. 
Which comes back to that intention, yes. the philosophy, the purpose. Yes. Can you describe some of that breath work? Just of to course. share some yeah. of that for people because I think that's a, the cornerstone of what yeah. you're describing as well. So posture is a major component because of the way I'm just our... going to sit up yeah. a bit taller. <laughs> it's always the way. But anyone ever mentions posture all yeah. of a sudden? <laughs> and what is posture? Well, in a sitting position, it's where your, um, your head is you know, nicely aligned above your shoulders, your shoulders are above your hips, your feet maybe uh, are on the floor flat and there's just this nice alignment as if someone was gently pulling your head up from above with a piece of cotton. Mm. Cool? That's an easy way to think of it. And then the the rib cage is free and not being squished by you and gravity. So when you breathe in, if there was a a tip and your probably listeners can probably do it straight away, you're, you're just aware of cool air coming through your nose and your nose breathing in and out and feeling a little bit of expansion down low around your lower rib cage before it goes to your chest. So your big muscle that breathes in for you, your diaphragm is becoming active on the in-breath and it's as if you're breathing in silk when you're calm. So it's gentle, it's smooth. When you feel that there is enough air in your lungs and everyone's different, you then allow that to naturally come out through your nose and soften your shoulders and chest gently away from your ears because they would have risen a little bit. So then you've got this ability to regulate your heartbeat. How? Well, your diaphragm is attached to your pericardium, which is where your heart sits in. It's a bag. And as your diaphragm contracts and pulls down, it pulls on the heart and literally elongates it and draws blood into the area. When you breathe out, it pushes back up, pushes against the heart and pushes blood out of the area. So you've got two pumps, not one. If I'm a chest breather, it doesn't really happen. If I breathe low, then high first, I'll get up to 15 times more oxygen into my lungs and therefore I'm now giving my brain the most important thing, oxygen. But the technique is it's gentle, it's smooth. You feel your belly expand before your chest and then when you breathe out, you soften and let go of your even your jaw, your shoulders, your chest. And those are signals going into your nervous system going, I'm okay. And there's a feeling of calmness that comes with it. Now, if you could do that for three minutes in the morning, oh, my goodness. <laughs> there's the foundation to all the things that we've spoken about. Mm. Yeah, Three minutes is not long and yeah, no. it can feel like particularly if this is new and I know even for myself and people that have started it, it can feel unusual and what am I doing and yeah. is it kind of wrong? <laughs> like yeah. am I doing it right? And is rhythm and depth. You know, it might be five seconds in, five seconds out, six mm-hmm. seconds in, six seconds out. That would be the most maybe in terms of time. Mm-hmm. But whatever fits into your body and your feeling of, okay, is, if there is rhythm and there is depth and those areas are activating before the other, the lower part before the upper, you can't really go wrong. Mm. Easiest way to do it is lying on your back. Yep. Lie Simple. down, go through that low yeah. to high, three minutes, consistently do it each morning. Yes. That's your num challenge. Yes. <laughs> and if you're guided, even better. You right. can get an audio or, yes. you know, there's lots of them. Yep. It is the foundation to being present because you're in the here and now and you're connecting to you. And you're the most important thing on the planet. Not your kids, you. Because if you're good, they can be good. If you're bad, <laughs> you're influencing them. You're on a catalyst yes. around that. Yeah. yeah. So this is where you start when you work with the elite. Yes. So we 
So there's a framework and if there was a foundation to, to any framework for putting a strategy on top of it, a skill set on top of it, it's let's get the body and, and the breath right and then everything works off that. And if we get that being a, a part of the foundation and, and practice that, it's so much easier to take on information, take on skills, move better, think better. And then from there we go into the mental skills or into, you know, the value systems and so on. Because you talked a little bit about um, and have touched on a couple of times the the importance of almost that personal philosophy, mm. um, which then leads into that mindset. So who do I want to be? How do I come back to me? Uh, and even beautifully described as a five-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 16-year-old, yeah, where you, you know, were open to yeah. that through your, your childhood and your yeah. experience. What's your personal philosophy? Yeah, so... I'll share it in a second, but I'll just show you how, how, you, how I sort of got there. The important thing is, you know, if there was a, an easier path to get to a person's philosophy, is, and I spoke about it earlier, is looking at the highlights of your life. What really makes you come alive and aligned with your value system, with, you know, you being your best, et cetera? And it will usually show up in highlights. So to then to jot down a highlight and describe how you were feeling, what you were doing, how you were acting, what you were thinking, and and make it quite a, a, a almost like a story, if you like, and then from that distill it a little bit and go, what were the what are the key words in there that really describe you and the experience that was such a highlight? And then distill that a little bit, and you'll come down to a bunch of words that describe potentially what you stand for. Then from that, you need to then put that potentially into a statement or a sentence that you know has a ton behind it, but you can go to regularly and go, that's what I stand for and that's how I'm going to behave, but you've done the work. Now, it's mm. it's work as in it's quite difficult, hence I help people with this type of thing, you know, keep digging deeper. It's a little bit like mining. Like I can yeah. imagine that exploration of let's sift all through Just this. and digging. Yeah, it's amazing what comes up. So mine is to live, to love, to create. So to live authentically, to live in alignment with my values, to be healthy so that I give myself the ability to have the best life, to love what I do and to appreciate that I can't judge myself deeply so that I can really give myself some space around the fact that we all have saboteurs and we, you know, kind of bring ourselves down from time to time and to be able, just to be mindful of the self-judgment and love myself so I can then love others. Is that one of the hardest things we have, uh, have to face as human beings? It is, <laughs> yeah, it is, you know. And, and, and what a mission in life. Yeah, so, and it's a, it's a practice, Right, so it's it's not like it will be evident every day. It's a practice. Yeah. Practice being your philosophy, loving yourself often, loving what you do, and then to create to give yourself space. For me, to give myself space with these adventures and these experiences with you right now, so that I can open myself up a bit more and be more creative, and therefore give back to people on the fact that I have the capacity to do so because I know what I stand for and therefore I don't have to worry about me, I can focus on you. But it takes a little bit of work. But when you get it, there's a feeling in your heart in particular that kind of brings this 
things on the back of your neck stand up and you're like, oh, and you get these shivers. You're like, that is, that is what I stand for. And I had a moment in my life, my, unfortunately my, my dad passed away last year, where I lost significance. And it took a lot of this work I'm talking about now to bring myself back to life is so significant because at the time it was like, why? He was so healthy. Why did he die? Like it was so, so impactful to me to see him and what happened like, like that. What was the, yeah, what was the impact on you? What was that in the moment? Yeah, so it was, it was shock, um, total shock. Like, hang on, this Did guy. Did he pass suddenly? Is that- yeah, very suddenly, yeah. So, so very healthy, very fit, uh, loving, beautiful guy, just, just the most amazing man. And then the, the, we call him the boss because he's the boss of, of adventure. He was amazing in sharing and getting us to have, be adventurous and so on. And then within 24 hours, he had a stroke. Within 24 hours, gone. And then to see my mum go through, because they've been partners for over 55 years, that suddenly gone, flying into, because they live in Cape Town, flying into Cape Town and then going, wow, that's it. He's gone. (laughs) And then being in that, and, you know, I remember on the plane, I had a moment where I just, burst into tears like whoa why it doesn't make sense and then looking at life and having a moment where I'm going what's the damn point of being so healthy if that can suddenly happen now there's so many things to to where it might may have happened I found out that you can have a stroke if you've got a blood clot the size of a ballpoint pen end like a tiny dot of blood clot and so anyway that you know significantly hurtful and to a point where I lost meaning. Mm. I was like, I was void. I was like, oh. And I just felt so flat. So I ventured back into philosophy and then and then I found the, the, the zest of life again based on all my highlights. And if I look back over my highlights, I'm like, hey, come on, let's just carry on and let's get more. And then let's help others who go through this and help them find what they stand for that will will always serve them and through these other skills, breath skills, et cetera, where you can, you can get derailed but you come back relatively quickly. Um, we're all going to get derailed. Yeah. It's all going to happen. Life yeah, does yeah, happen, yeah. Right? in whatever form and whatever yeah. way. What yeah. helped you find that significance again? Because in the moment, in the middle of shock and in the middle of overwhelm, it can be hard to see yeah. that. Um, where did you start to see those glimmers again to be able to go, right, I can hold on to that? Yeah, a couple of key people. So so my partner, Devo, she's unbelievable, as you know. She, um, you know, she she is the best supporter I could ever imagine and, and gave me love. And we have this amazing connection where no matter what we are, we have got each other's back. You know, that's the, the trust is just incredible. Um, and the support and the loves that she gave me and then pushing, not pushing me, helping me find the meaning again. Hang on, hang on. This guy lived for adventure. We've got to go back to doing that. So we lock in every 12 weeks. We lock in a week away where we have an adventure without doubt. No matter what's happening, I'm sorry if someone wants me, no, I'm having my week of adventure and connection and love with her and that brings back meaning and life is the meaning you give it. 
so make it a good meaning. How? Go and do things that are meaningful. Yeah. And she was that person. Uh, another thing that helped me was following my values. One of them is, is living an incredibly healthy life. So eating well, exercising, moving, meditation, do the things that you know are good for your body that allow your brain to then help process such a trauma. If I went into then going drinking, I don't do that, but if I did, if I drank alcohol and went, oh, well, this is all, it would have taken a lot longer. So following values with the right behaviours, bang, I'm back pretty quick. Mm. Where people go, wow, you, you, you're, you're good. I'm like, sure, it's terrible, but I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, the power of those, the strength of the people around you who yes. can see where you're at but pull you. Yeah, and my family. My <laughs> mum is just incredible how she's moved through that. And, she, you know, and my brothers and my sister, you know, we're such a close-knit group, their support. And then I, I think probably the most important thing for a male is talk. Talk, talk, tell people close to you about your feelings and experiences around that type of incident. Get it out. Don't hold on to it. Have the courage to talk about it and you will liberate some of those unresolved inner conflicts around the experience so well. Just if someone listens, that's that's a key component. Did you have to learn that or is that something that's pretty natural for you? No, to I had to, to learn it. Yeah, I had to learn it because growing up, a lot of the times, yes, I was calm and so on, but a lot of times it was about being tough mm. and and taking it and... Get on with it. Get on with it, you know, and Devo again helped me with that. You know, I, I realised that there's a really good book called I Don't Want to Talk About It, which is about male depression, and I realised that I had bits of depression all the way through my life because when things went down, sometimes I wouldn't talk about it. I'd just breathe through it and go, I'm all right. And really that wasn't true and until literally this incident took place and talking to Devo and talking, talking about just the little things that I might feel in a day. I'm feeling really anxious. Why? Well, boss has come up in my mind and, I, you know, I, I miss him. Mm. And then talking about that and maybe crying. Wow, <laughs> that's an interesting thing for a grown man. And... Maybe just tearing up, you know, yeah. maybe not crying, but tearing up or being expressive and telling someone that can listen. Yeah. And it just shifts stuff. I mean, you know, you're a master yeah. of this, right? It's amazing how that is so liberating. And yeah. then you can get rid of the stuff and go back to, hey, this is what I stand for. This is right. My intention, boom. Yeah. And then things open up, opportunities happen. So it is a it is a skill and it is that permission as much as anything, yes. I think, to just sit and be. Um, and and this is very stereotypical, but, but even for men is there's nothing you have to do about it. It's just, you know, talk, listen, hear yourself. It's that presence even that you mm. kind of talk a lot about. Uh, but there's nothing you have to do about it. It doesn't have to be fixed or solved. It's not a problem yeah. that needs a solution sometimes in the moment. Um but yeah, it's a powerful experience, yeah. and uh, I'm sure it shapes the, you. the legacy of Boss, you know, continues yeah. oh, on in all of that. Yeah, yeah, it's powerful. Um, 
and grief itself, I was only listening to something the other day, like it's an emotion that needs movement. It needs to be, yeah. otherwise it does get stuck. Yeah. It does stay and become stagnant. And so, yeah, resolve your inner conflicts. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So in, in grief can be, it doesn't necessarily have to be the loss of a loved one. It can be no. a job that you didn't get. Totally. It can be a yeah. conversation that maybe didn't go well. Grief comes up yeah. a lot. Yeah, and I think a big part of that too is to get clear on your philosophy, but your identity as well. You know, you know, a loss of philosophy, how you act and be, and so on. But then, you know, who are you? And are you the worker or the husband or the wife? And there's parts of your identity that you need to be clear on, so that if one goes, the other part's still there. You don't get. You're not your job. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. Yeah, yeah. It's a, Not entirely, yeah, right? It's yeah, part of you. So yeah. get clear on your identity. And how would you do that? Well, you, you you write down all the traits that you have. You get clear on your character. You get clear on um, some of the things that sabotage you, etc. This is work again. I know right? I'm going deep yeah. here, but holy moly, when you're clear on that and you realise that you are not your thoughts, you are not your emotions, you have them, and where are you having them from and who is that? To get clear on those things, then when these things happen, you become more resilient based on the fact that you have many sides to you that you can bounce off, be one moment, change the next. And you're more adaptable based yeah. on that. Yeah, but there's a core, there's an anchor, there's a, that's it. a peg in the ground that yeah. you know that's where I'm coming back yes. to in amongst the waves of yes. whatever's happening around you. Yeah. You get centred on that. One of the things I love from some of the work that we've done together um, is that you also describe at any point in time we have our adult, our teenager and yes. our child and that we need to connect in with all three, three. of those. And I remember when you were talking about that with some of the work that we did and I knew, understood those concepts but had always thought that they were quite separate. Mm. So you're either in your adult, your teenager or your child, whereas you almost kind of went all three of them exist all at once and you need to check in with that and therefore where's that sense of playfulness? Yeah. Like we've, I think we've just talked about Child-like, some stuff that's really quite childish. deep and hard yeah. and but where is that sense yeah, of playfulness? Totally. Can you describe where that shows up yeah. in the work that you do in yeah. those three concepts? Well, to be creative usually means to be a little bit playful. Creativity and playfulness work. You know, look at kids. Mm. When they get creative, they're kind of playing. So that's in you. Why don't you connect with it more often? Um, and allowing the child in you to always be present in what you're doing because it may take a little bit of playfulness <laughs> to get something done effectively, right? Humour is obviously one of the greatest things to dissolve pressure. And if you've got that childlike way about you and playfulness, it helps dissolve the pressure. And then the teenager is the experimenter and wanting to experiment and, and doing that. And then the adult is the one that kind of plans and sets things in place. But you might need all three to work together to get the best out of an experience. Um, an example would be setting an intention and go, who do you want to need be today? Well, I'm with my family. I need to be playful. So let's be playful. What would that look like? What are the, some of the things? Well, when I was a kid, I used to, you know, play music and dance. Okay, let's do that <laughs> and get the kids doing it too. And then there's this playful energy. And then let's go on an adventure, be the teenager. And then let's 
put a picnic together, be the adult. Make sure we get our seatbelts on. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like, there you, you know, go. We need yeah. to know so, that it's okay. So it's, we have to be back just, by a certain time. And it's just an awareness, right? That's the other thing with all of what we've said is that it can get quite set and structured. And no, the work is to get the clarity. But then once you have the clarity of who you are, what you stand for, et cetera, think of the best way to to operate through that. Is it serious or is it playful? Is it disciplined? And it could change all the time. Mm. And that's part of being human is that we're so changeable and can make decisions. And But the best, right? Try and progress in all the areas as best you can. And, I'm, and I'm, I know the playfulness in most contexts is great because it brings the best out of people. I know it's something that you kind of bring into and you might share some examples of um, even when you're doing movement stuff, you'll often have a tennis ball. Yeah, so there's, there's almost kind of a sense yeah. of playfulness. We go back to the old handball days or you've got to yeah. you know, play the game around it. Yeah, and where then, else do you see playfulness come up? Yeah, I think, you, you know, in, in workshops and stuff, we spoke about this earlier, is, is getting people to, to, to draw stuff with colours and so on. It's like, oh, what? Absolutely. You know, I'm a terrible artist, but it brings out of me information that was maybe buried Mm. because now the child's coming out and going, yeah, hey, adult, listen, this is what we want more of. You know, that's, that's one way. And then when you are interacting with people, it's, it's about being playful in in a very mild sense or a very extreme sense where it makes people feel freer and have more fun. And when you have more fun, I mean, humor, we know, changes chemistry dramatically and it takes pressure off so you can have better conversations if it's playful. You know, my partner and I, she says, who, who do you want me to be today? I'm like, just be playful and loving. And, yeah. then, and then before we get into anything, there's this, there's this younger version of her that's coming out that's it's really attractive. Yeah. So, Energetic, yeah, magnetic, like, like magnetic. Ooh, you almost yeah. want to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a yeah the the to just observe that we become maybe too adult like sometimes you know and we have to there's parts but then hey when we met we were maybe teenagers how good was it oh it's amazing what were we doing ah oh, that's right we were having dates we were going on adventures exploring things all that okay well why don't we do that again? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What's the adult version of that? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, I have heard that kind of question around what we're doing and what's the what would the child do and what's the adult yeah. version of that? It's going to climb and a then tree when things or... go wrong, who who's telling you in your own mind? Is it the adult? Is it the child? Is it the teenager? Mm-hmm. And how are you acting like a child? <laughs> mm, maybe get the adult out now that responds and doesn't react. Yeah. Talks doesn't throw a hissy fit. <laughs> I mean, I'm not allowed my temper tantrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you can, but yeah. not for too long. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that concept of getting all three of them and where can we be much more playful yes. in the work that we do while still having that sense of intention um, and hearing the adult uh, through that process. I know even from uh, when we were talking through that concept, it must have been a week or two afterwards, uh, 
and had an issue with it. You know, I couldn't get the dinner I wanted and I ordered a dinner and the steak was terrible and it was just awful and it was just this <laughs> full kind of childlike tantrum yeah, going, yeah. it's never going to work. <laughs> <laughs> but almost that question of even what does the child need in that moment? What yes, does the teenager need? Yeah, what does yeah. the adult need? It's so, well, it there just, you go. It just needs Beautiful. a meal and to go to bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Yeah, I can go and do that and sort totally. that out. So, yeah, to be able to come back to that space and place. Which takes work, but, yeah, it's beautiful when you get it right. Mm. What's exciting you about what's next and what's on your horizon? Well, um, there's quite a few things really. A, the breath training that we're doing is going great. People are loving it um, and corporate businesses are drawing me in. I've got a gig with Red Bull next week with the music side of Red Bull. I never knew, but. Well, I did know, but most people don't know that they sponsor musicians. Right. And they've chosen to, again, focus on the breath work and, and the philosophy of life, et cetera, that, building that together. And I'm really excited about exploring that with more businesses and people around this calmness and this intensity at the same time and, and so on. That's really exciting. Um, and then growing a couple of ideas around recordings for people that allows them to do breath work and, and a few other things I won't say out loud. But anyway, there's some great stuff coming there to, to then get to people. Uh, and then this leadership thing that we're going both going to is going to be great. I'm doing a talk on leadership presence um, around high-performing leaders and talking to them about some of these concepts in a keynote. So that's really exciting. And then um, I'm on a gig in Fiji called Nurture Me and Nurture Her which is all about well-being and with with 200-plus business owners from around the world, which will be great. And then working with the Roosters and Richmond. The Roosters are looking like they might get back-to-back premierships and being a part of that, that's that's incredibly good. I've got a new website coming out. It should be out. Um, yeah, we'll have all the links yeah, to all so, of that. And so workshops, people can connect because you run other yeah. general workshops. People yeah. can come and be a part of that'll be, and we'll put all the links yeah. around that. I can definitely recommend because we've had you come and work with our team. Yeah, yeah. And there's something really powerful about having your team go through an experience like that. So we did some breath work in the pool yeah. and uh, and talked about some of those concepts of who do you want to be. So I know for us as a, as a team, that's a question we even ask each other yeah. ongoing. So you have this common language to kind of keep yep. pulling each other forward around that high performance. Yeah. What are the ways that we can be connected to that? So if anyone totally. is listening and interested in that for their team, that's that's definitely something you can do. Yeah, and very powerful, really, and and different. Yeah. And playful. Yes. You know, yeah. Challenging but calming at the same time, and all the elements that create good learnings. Yeah, absolutely. And be able to have that language in the middle of the chaos mm. of a work day to be able to go, what's the child need now? Or yeah, who, yeah, who do yeah. we need to be? Totally. Is uh, is such a powerful way to kind yeah, of come, come back to that. Uh, and then the conference is Future of Leadership, which is yes. going to be Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. Yeah. Um, so, again, we'll put all the links up to that for yeah, anyone that's that wants to exciting. come. Good yeah, challenge. really, really exciting. Yeah, yeah. How do you find, how do you re-energise in amongst all that busyness for yourself? Because there's a lot going on and it can be really exciting, great stuff, mm. um, but there's also a space and place where you need to be able to mm. kind of have that energy. So you have your morning routine. Yeah. You have your every 12 weeks you've got your adventure week. Yeah. What else helps you to keep kind of Yeah, so, so obviously eating very healthily and hydrating well is a critical component and it's a habit for me. I can't not do it. Um, which is great. 
but it's critical to to balance out the drawings, I guess, of energy to these companies and people I'm working with. It's, you know, you get you get the life sucked out of you sometimes, as you know. Yeah. So you've got to restore that energy balance through nutrition, through movement. So I stay very healthy, very fit. I live what I talk, um, and then having a really good partner to talk to about stuff when it gets tiring and her cooking for me and all these beautiful things that she does is amazing but to talk about why this is important to me so she has a reason why she wants to help is I want to help others grow etc so she wants to be a part of that and she's amazing at that and she does all bookings she's incredible at that and then at the end of the day I also jot down I started this relatively recently three good things that happened today bullet point so that I'm building the concept of being optimistic. And I think that's a key mental skill for people is optimism. So I'd write down three good things um, and how they relate to me and my life. So there's a little bit of detail there that really evokes some of my traits coming through because those things happened and, and reaffirming the qualities that I have. Then I write down, write down three difficult things I did today and how I got through them and why they're important. And then I just write down my intention for the next day. So simple, but that mm. helps my mind uh, let go of things. So the difficult things helps my mind let go of things. The good mm. things helps my mind look forward to more of the good things. So I'm, I'm really helping myself resolve challenges that may be happening and setting intentions and controlling the way that I go to sleep. Yeah, lovely. And therefore I have good quality sleep, which is the most important thing for health. Great recipe. <laughs> it's great, yeah, it works extremely. Yeah, particularly I love that sense of what what's the difficulty and how I got through it. Um, yeah. I'm often even talking to our kids at the moment around that whole we can do hard things and face that whatever's hard, it's okay. Um, but, yeah, to realise that, hey, I love that it's almost kind of yeah. I'm just putting it somewhere before I go to sleep because yeah, that's the stuff that gets it. me at 3 Yeah, <laughs> and if, and if you, you could try it because what, what I found is now I'm getting way better sleep because I'm not thinking hard when I put my head on the pillow. I'm do- I've done with the thinking. I've got it on the paper. I've got it down in a very dim light. I can still sit on writing, but I'm trying to get my environment to be very conducive to having good quality sleep. And part of that is getting out of my head that I don't want to come jumping in at 3 a.m. in the morning. Get it out. <laughs> so I can put my head on the pillow and go, ah, oh, good day. There's nothing else it needs to do. And then I can do these things that we're talking about. Yeah. Because I get good quality sleep. It's been such a delight oh, to chat you. with you. I have one final question yeah. for you that I, that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. The name of the podcast is called Stand Out Life. Yeah. What does it mean to you? What does that term mean to you? What, what does it take to live a standout life? Be you. Be 100% you. And I say 100%. Be, be authentic be courageous to be the best version of yourself as often as you can um, so that you don't necessarily stand out in an egotistical way, but it's in a way where you lift others by your presence and then you'll stand out in a really uh, giving manner where people, you're literally a, a lift to those around you because you're being so authentic, you're being you, you're being the best version of yourself and, you know, minimal judgment on you 
or others as well so that you don't create suffering for yourself. (laughs) Suffering happens when you focus on yourself too much, I believe, or a thing too much. So I think that's that's what I reckon would be a, a thing to take away. Yeah, really, really powerful. I love every time we get to, a yeah, chance so to good. chat. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.alisonhill.com.au. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.